Good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Hank Berry, who's a partner at Sidley in Austin. Hank, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Great to be here. Now, Hank, you are, uh, you know, legendary in Silicon Valley. I think you are <laughs> most known for your time in Napster. But let me ask you, even before that, yeah. what made you decide to leave the law firm to even think about becoming a venture capitalist? Well, uh, when I left, the, the context was that it was 1999, and as you know, having been a lawyer, we were all um, just overwhelmed with all the deals at that point, and I had gotten to know the principals at Hummer Winblad pretty well over the five or six years prior to that, and it was just one of those situations where I was ready to do something else, the opportunity was there, and uh, you know, it, it just all worked out at the right time. I had a lot of uh, concerns, not concerns, I was had mixed feelings about leaving Wilson Sonsini, but going over there was terrific. And what was it like being a venture capitalist? Did you like it? I did. You know, I I, th- I thought it was great because I like entrepreneurs. I spent a lot of my time with entrepreneurs. I like that process. It's a it's a very rewarding, sometimes tragic kind of process, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like working with the entrepreneurs at the venture firm. And you know, because it was a relatively well known firm. We we got a lot of deal flow, and you got to see a lot of new things, you know, a lot more than you do as a lawyer. As a lawyer, you think you're seeing a lot of new companies, but boy, get on the investment side for a little <laughs> while, and you realize there's there's just an amazing number of new companies. You know, we have about we have a group coming in here tonight. There'll be about 60 founders mm-hmm. here in our office. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you got to become, how did you get involved with the uh, infamous, or should I say infamous or famous Napster Leg- legendary. company? Legendary. Legendary, yes. Legendary, yes. Yeah, the groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I had known, uh, Sean Fanning's uncle, the legendary John Fanning, when I was a lawyer. And when I went over to the venture firm, there was interest at the firm in the company. And I was the only person who had a contact. And so I got a hold of John and he told us there was no way we were going to be able to invest because all the really cool venture firms were lining up to invest in their company. I said, well, okay, okay, I get it. But maybe someday you might want to consider having us in a follow-on round or something. And a couple weeks later, he called and said, you know, uh, maybe you might have a chance to make an investment here. And so we did some diligence. And, uh, you know, my background is in copyright and other um, IP-related things. And, and so we looked at it, and obviously there were a lot of questions around the company, not just from the litigation perspective, but also in terms of whether the technology would work, whether it would scale, how are you going to monetize it, and all the normal things you talk about when you're looking at a portfolio investment. And we eventually decided to do it, and, uh, and that's how I got involved. I, I don't think I ever would have been the CEO, but the company at that time was going through a transition. The CEO there wanted to leave after the venture funding, and um, so we transitioned some of the board members, and I went in as the CEO on an interim basis. My partners told me it'd be three weeks to a month, and <laughs> I was there for a couple of years. Well, tell me, so. when you first looked at the investment idea, did, I mean, did you personally think it was going to be a good business? I mean, what were you thinking when you looked well, at the business model it, to begin with? The, um, the business model was always going to be a subscription kind of model. Like, at this stage in life, we look at those models and we go, of course, that's the normal mm-hmm. thing. But at that point, there were no yeah. subscription models out there. At that point, there was no way to get music on the internet, period, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the iTunes store didn't start till 2002. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was so revolutionary and it had taken off so quickly 
Um, I could tell you lots of anecdotes about adoption, but generally it comprised a great portion of the national internet traffic hmm. uh, at night. Hmm. And um, we thought that there was a chance to take this social phenomenon and make it into a business. Hmm. Um, Sean Fanning, who was uh, the founder, um, was convinced it could become a business and, and dedicated to the idea that it would be. And so look, they had already been sued at that point. We knew that there were, you know. Oh, even before you invested, you knew there was yeah, a lawsuit. Yeah, they had already been sued, but it was the early days of the lawsuit. But we thought there was uh, an opportunity to settle that case and to create a real business. And so uh, that's what we did. We tried. So were you the, actually the main proponent, the main proponent of the investment for Humber and Blatt, or it was more your partner? Well, I was the <laughs> <laughs> proponent. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Because you know how there's always uh, one or, general or, partner that's sort of the, the one that really... Yeah, I, I think this is one where uh, we all talked about it a lot because yeah. it was not... Um, the typical kind of investment. Yeah, so uh, everyone tried to be thoughtful about it. Um, eventually, people started looking around the room at me because I had the relationships. But it was clearly a, a, something that the entire firm wanted to do. Now, why did you have trouble finding a CEO with a hot company like that? I would think you'd have plenty of people that would like well, it. Why, why actually, was it there were a lot of people who were sort of interested but not qualified. Hmm. right? And then the people that were really qualified, um, some of them were interested as well, but it we never got around to uh, lining them up in a way that that was compelling for them. Mm. We actually were recruiting for a CEO the entire time that I was there. Trying to replace yourself. Yes. I see. Yeah. But finally, you... uh, we found a great guy, Conrad Hilbers, who at that point was a Bertelsmann exec. I see. And he came in uh, July of 2002. And do you, do, you, do you regret being the CEO of Namster? No. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. It's still on my bio. It's on the web. Well, what did you lo- what did you learn most from being the CEO of Napster? What would you say? Well, I think the surprising thing to me was the complexity of these large media organizations. I went into them thinking, probably naively, that the CEO of the of the entire company could dictate policy or have a large measure of power as it relates to policy within their organizations. But it turns out, hmm. as I found out, that uh, you could have Nabucco Day and uh, Thomas Middlehoff, Edgar Bronfman, the people who at that time were heading up these media companies, have them very enthusiastic about what it is you wanted to do and what the future was like. But the line operating officers who had to deliver the quarterly revenues and who were responsible for mm-hmm. uh, the bottom line, they were, they were to say, reluctant to say the least, mm-hmm. right? Didn't want to do it. Mm. And even even if you're a large scale company, um, you know there are divisions, mm. right? And and divisions have power because they're they're autonomous and their uh, their financials matter to the overall organization. Mm. So that was a surprise to me, mm. uh, quite a shock. And then the sort of the social nature and power and impact of Napster really surprised me. I would go places and there'd be thousands of people, you mm. know. Um, mm rallies and that sort of thing mm. and uh that that surprised me really <laughs> so many people were enthusiastic mm. about it and who really liked the social aspect of it mm. i mean napster really in a primitive kind of way was really the first social network it was a way to interact around music and um when you look back on it now you can really see the power of that interaction mm. people like mm. to look at each other's playlists they like to look at what people had in their folders that sort of thing um, and obviously, we saw a couple of years later with Facebook that uh, this is a human 
um, social activity that people really like mm. to engage in. So uh, all those things were surprising and, and, and wonderful in a lot of ways for me, and uh, I really have a lot of affection for that time. There were some <laughs> just totally scary <laughs> moments, but um, for the most part, it was good. When you see entrepreneurs today, do they have they even heard of Napster? You know, it's funny. Uh, I think in a historical way, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not current for them. Yeah, it's definitely. not something that they think about or they learn from it's sort of one generation back their life begins at facebook yeah yeah, yeah right yeah, and yeah. it's sort of coming forward from there yeah. um and for those of us who lived earlier than that or who were involved in this industry earlier than that um it's it's really interesting sometimes but it's good because they don't know what they don't know and so they go tackle things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that just you know, mm-hmm. if you if you think about it too hard, mm-hmm. you won't go do it. So I like the fact that they go do it. Now, when you compare, obviously you were a lawyer and then you were a venture capitalist uh-huh. and you were CEO. When you compare kind of those three things, which one, I mean, is there one that you like the most? Or how, how do you compare those three roles? Because they're, you know, they're pretty different. Yeah, they are. I think uh, I resonate with being a lawyer because that's kind of what my talent is. Mm. You know, I'm a you know, sort of literature, science, and the arts kind of guy. I come at the world from that perspective. Liberal arts, right? Um, I I was uncomfortable and probably still am with spreadsheets and, and the whole world of analytics. Uh, I You know, I, it just doesn't come naturally to me. I can do it well now, sort of. <laughs> um, but it, it's not something that comes naturally to me. I, when I got out of undergrad, I was sort of faced with, well, you're going to go to business school, you're going to go to law school. Uh, or, or get a degree in economics, graduate degree in economics. I was an undergrad in economics. And, um, you know, I just went straight to law school. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. sort of what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. So that, I have an affinity for that. Mm-hmm. I like doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable in my skin when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And the the executive part, you know, someday maybe I'll have a food truck or something like that where I can be, <laughs> I can be the CEO. Um, but... Uh, it's very tough mm, growing a business. Right it's very, very mm, tough mm, growing a business. And it's very, very tough investing in businesses. I mean, you think about venture capital, really savvy investors, institutional investors give you a dollar and they expect you to turn it into 10, mm, you know, mm, mm, net of your fees. Right? <laughs> right. I gave you a dollar, what'd you give me back? Yeah. And that's pressure. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of pressure. So um, I just, you know, I'm, just, I'm comfortable being a lawyer. And, well, when you uh, left the law firm to become a venture capitalist, mm-hmm. did you do that because you wanted to try something that would you be out of your comfort zone? I mean, was that one yeah, of the things you did. decided I to did. do Yeah, I did. Well, it was, it was sort of the, a lot of pressure around 1999, but also, uh, and there was, there was a good thing was that I had good friends in this firm, uh, John Hummer and Ann Wimblad, Mark Gornberg, that I had gotten to know and I still know today. We're still good friends today. So there was this idea of, well, you could go work with your friends, mm-hmm. which sounded really good mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also I wanted to try something new. Mm-hmm. Plus, more money. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a more lucrative job. It's, right. a, it's a more lucrative job. So um, that was what drove me to that. Yeah. So if it, if it had been more successful as a venture capitalist, do you think you would have stayed as a venture capitalist? What, have, what do you think about I that? I have no idea. I think I was fated in a way to um, to have that time at Napster. You know, yeah. I started out as an entertainment lawyer. I was always interested in this place where um, copyright and uh, our transition into a digital world meet up with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of glommed on to that mm-hmm. um, Napster because it was sort of everything I had been thinking about mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I don't know. It's hard to imagine a scenario for me where my life could have gone mm. many other ways. I suppose it could have, but... Well, when you came back to being a lawyer, did you ever think that you might give it the venture capital try one more try, or did you ever think that again? You know, again? I have a lot of clients who are investors, venture investors, private equity investors, um, even people who work in endowments, institutional investors, and um, I really admire what they do. It, um, in order to do it well, you need uh, a complete set of skills that I don't have, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm in awe. I admire them. I think it's great. Um, but uh, it's it's not something that I feel uh, really good about doing. I, you know, it, you probably found this. There are certain things that you feel that you can do as well as anybody, mm -hmm. and and if you're honest with yourself, you think you can do actually a little better than anybody, <laughs> right? And and then there are areas where you look at it and you go, oh, you know, wow. I might like to do that, but you know, you're not you know, gonna I'm never going to play guitar like Django Reinhardt. I mean, that's just not happening. <laughs> well, did you did you come to that realization that really you were a lawyer at heart when you stopped doing it? Did, yeah. I mean, is that when you realized that, yeah. like, hey, I really actually like being well, a lawyer? Well, it was interesting. I told you I had done some consulting for Amazon and um, and uh, some work with them around their music service uh, as I was transitioning out of the venture firm, and and I uh, I, I I really liked that challenge. Mm. I really liked uh, getting back into. So next, yeah, I was going to say. Then you must have really enjoyed coming back in the law firm. If that, if yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. Well, been, I, been... I was able to avoid this kind of awkward moment when you're starting to be a lawyer but you have no clients, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I sort of was preloaded with some relationships that were rewarding to me, so I could move right into a law practice um, and have some rewarding relationships and some work. I mean, there's nothing worse than sitting at your desk kind of twiddling your fingers and wondering, you know, what's going on. Right. So this is, uh, it, it was good. It was fortunate. And uh, I've been, look, I've been really fortunate. So I take it, th I, I take it this is it. You're not considering another career change, I take it? No, that, I'm focused right? on the future. I mean, we've <laughs> taken this. We had three lawyers, day one here. We've got about 48 now in the Palo Alto oh, wow. office. As you can see from looking around, it's rocking. There's a lot going on. Um, we've really built something uh, terrific here, and uh, I want to I want to see it go much further. We've just uh, taken space, more space across the across the campus here, over on the other side of this complex, and so uh, you know, there's a hopefully bright future there. There's certainly a lot to do uh -huh. over the course of the next three, four, five years, and I'm going to focus on that. Well, Hank, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. Now that I'm a recruiter, maybe I can help you fulfill your dream. <laughs> okay. Shoe untied. There you go. I love this. This is Richard Shoe and Hank Berry. Thanks. <laughs>